Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting show here today. Okay. Let's broaden our minds. I want a cheeseburger. I want a milkshake. I want table get Arts and entertainment. You like it? There is an academic type of word I can apply. There is similitude. Holy moly. I'm hot today. This is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment on WMAY. I'm your host, Kevin Hart. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to start out with my interview with Hope Cherry. She has been working on The Spirit of Lincoln, a show by Ken Bradbury that is being done in a socially distanced manner at the Springfield Theater Center. Then we're going to have a little bit of my discussion with Gus Gordon on State of the Arts. That's going to go through the news. And then after that, going to have a little bit of Way Out Wednesday. Then Bottom of the Bargain Bin with Dirty Harry 5 the Deadpool. But first, here's Hope Cherry. Yeah, so we started rehearsals um, the week of August 31st. So we've been going, I guess this is our, going into our third week of rehearsals. Um, we, or our second, is it third, second? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, Sorry. Anyways, we've been, um, we've been practicing at the Hoagland Center for the Arts and um, have been um, socially distancing, everybody wears masks when they come in the building. Um, we've taken a lot of precautions to um, the Springfield Theater Center is doing a lot to make sure that everybody that comes in the building for STC is um, has their temperature taken. They get asked every time if they have any um, if they're experiencing any symptoms. We clean up um, after every rehearsal, bring down any services that might have been touched. Um, so I feel like we're taking like a lot of precautions um, at this point to keep everybody safe as we rehearse. So that's good, and you know, definitely as you know, we should be in this time, and I'm sure. And I think you know, going forward, I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the things that we're, you guys are doing now for theater, and that we'll be doing eventually, when we get back to doing uh, theater. Um, a lot more people doing theater. That I think a lot of those things. I mean, do you think those are going to be we're going to continue to do these socially distant and um, very, very hygienic sort of cleaning down, making sure that um, maybe not everybody wearing masks all the time. But, I mean, do you think that that's going to be a new normal? So I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but, you know. You I think- know. I mean, I, I think that we, especially when, when um, we see a little bit more of opening up, I think you're still going to see a lot of precautions from community theaters. Um, around the area, you know, wanting to make sure that their staff, their crew, their, you know, cast is all kept safe, their audience. Um, As we had talked before, I think we're not having an audience for this show. Um, But I think, you know, when when theater opens up again for live audiences, you're going to have to maintain all of those same precautions um, with the distancing, with masks, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I think it's good practice. I think, like, we've been, you know, really good about, like, it's one thing that you don't even think about, but, like, the props that get touched, Mm -hmm. we wipe those down every night. So, like, it's probably good practice, right, to, like, take a wipe down to uh, the props and, you know, make sure they're clean. But uh, you don't think about that when you're in the midst of, you know, doing a regular show if it wasn't during, you know, COVID times. So... Um, so I think I think some of the stuff will carry on. Um, hopefully, not all of it once we get back to it. Right? Yeah, because one somewhat of the, yeah. stable state. <laughs> yeah, because one of the things that um, Broadway and some professional theaters are doing is they're um, 
they're halting stage dooring so people aren't able to like visit the cast afterwards. Yeah. I know locally in Springfield in central Illinois, I'm sure that's still going to happen um, once we're able to all get back into theater. I mean, I don't think I don't myself see that going, but um, it might be, you know, a little different, um, you know. I, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of things we don't yeah. know that's uh, going forward there. Um, so I do want to um, briefly touch on again, because some people might not have uh, seen or heard the last interview. When you said you're not going to have an audience, um, what exactly will you be doing with the show? Yeah, so we're, um, we're actually going to be filming it. Um, so uh, U-Media, who's uh, their Springfield... Um, area um, organization as well. They're going to be filming our show for us and um, that will be, they'll be helping us to edit the footage as well. And then we're hoping that they, when they're, when they're finished with the editing, they'll give us back, uh, you know, the, you know, they'll return us the footage and then we're hoping we can stream that footage um, on some sort of platform. Not quite sure yet what will work best. I know there's a, a couple different places that have been, like, really um, opening up in this area. Um, I know Vimeo is kind of a, a site that would be great oh, yeah. for streaming. Um, a lot of other places, too, that are kind of offering sort of like a ticketed option. Um, but, of course, anything that would be kind of a pay for a stream is, is sort of what we're going to start with. And then um, we're going to hope that we have a couple other options after the footage is all done. We're hoping um, that maybe... Some of the um, local uh, community organizations will pick up the footage if they if they're willing to maybe show it in um, a distanced way. So maybe showing it in a park um, or showing it, um, you know, at another venue that's not going to require, um, you know, a max capacity of people, um, so that more people are going to be able to consume the uh, the footage of the show and be able to experience it in sort of a a live audience fashion, almost as if you're going to see a movie. Uh, right. You still get some of that same feel when you're going to see a movie with other, with, uh, a crowd of other people uh, as you might um, when you see a live theater show. So that's kind of our goal. Um, and then we're hoping maybe from there too, seeing if we can get it picked up by uh, like a local cable uh, access network or oh, something yeah. so that... Um, it can have a further reach uh, okay. within Central Illinois area. You definitely could. That's I, our hope down the road, but we don't know yet. Yeah, well, so. you, def you definitely could because, um, I mean, it's it's historical. It's Everybody knows Ken Bradbury, you know, the theater yep. scene around here. And um, it's, you know, it's something, of course, people will be interested in watching around here. Um, so you definitely could get it on there and um, on public access or some, you know, a local channel like that. And yep. they, I'm sure they'd show it. Um, yeah. And be really interesting to see. So, so this production, how does it work in the in the sense of um, you are recording it? But I know it's it's very unique in a way that is it sort of works very well for COVID since there isn't a whole lot of uh, there isn't a whole lot of interaction in this show. I mean, like Correct. physical on stage interaction. Yeah. So when Ken wrote the show. Um it has very little dialogue that's in the show, so um, very little interaction that has to occur between um, between the actors on stage. Uh, most of the show is monologue, so most everybody is facing um, 
outwards towards the empty audience when they're when they're doing their piece. Um, so that, in, you know, in a way, it works out really nicely. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it crosses all these kind of different um, time periods of, of of local history. So we see uh, stuff that's present day. Um, we see stuff that happened, of course, during Lincoln's era. Um, and so it's just really cool, just like weaving of all these kind of like storytellers of people that have experienced Lincoln in some way or other um, with all their stories coming together. And it turns out to be a really beautiful piece at the end of the show. So, yeah, I was going to mention, too, when we film, um, the, the goal is to do it once as a cast. So, like, letting the cast do it once as a show, as right. if we're doing it for a live audience. And then what we're hoping to do is if U Media decides they need more shots, we'll go back, do, we'll go back through and do is get some more of those up-close shots, allow him to restructure some stuff, you know, um, you know, maybe reposition so that he can get some of those more intimate moments. Um, so that's what we're, we're going to try and work something out so that the, the cast still feels like they're doing a live theater show, but then also we can work with the uh, benefits of having a, a, fil- um, a filmmaker who can take some of those shots and make them a little bit more intimate than what you would get if you were just filming it from, you know, 30 feet off stage or whatever. And that's real. That is really cool because, you know, a lot of, um, you know, f- film performances. Now we have, there, there's a couple people, um, a couple companies, I guess in Springfield that are very good at, you know, d- filming with multiple angles and, you know, everything with shows. And there's a lot of recordings of shows that us as theater people, you know, love watching. It's, you know, even if it's one, you know, shot in the back of the stage, watching yep. the show, we, we love to watch it, but yeah, it is really great. You know, getting those, you know, seeing the acting, seeing the expression in people's faces and, you know, all the little nuances that go with that. I, that's really cool. And that's going to be really cool. So you guys have a stellar cast and it's going to be, it is going to be an awesome show. I'm very excited to be able to watch it. When is the date to you guys are going to be tentatively performing it as uh, like to record it? And when do you expect it to be um, streamed and or released to the public? So we're filming it on Saturday, October 10th. Of course, that's not open to the public you know, there will not be any tickets. That's just for our cast and crew to be able to film it. Um, so we'll do everything. We'll get it all done that day. And then we're hoping he'll have the footage. You media will take the footage. They'll uh, have that for the next couple of weeks. We're hoping uh, either by the end of October, maybe beginning of November, we'll have um, the, the footage ready to go. If it, may, it may be a little longer depending on kind of the edits that he's going to need to do. So hopefully by November we'll have something ready to be streamed that uh, people around Central Illinois will be able to uh, take part in. Awesome. Well, like I said, I am so excited to see this, as I'm sure many people um, in this area are. And so we'll be watching for that. You can follow the Springfield Theater Center on Facebook, as well as I'm sure there is some sort of page or event page for Spirit of Lincoln. Uh, how we'll be able to hear about this, Hope, how we'll be able to uh, follow everything that's going on I on would, social media. I would say the best way to connect and to follow is is to uh, is to follow the Springfield Theater Center page. They'll put some more information out as, uh, especially once the footage gets uh, released, we'll have uh, probably like a in like event information on there so that you can go on and stream it to uh, your um, 
your own devices. So Great. Well, make sure to follow the page if you haven't already and follow for updates on the Spirit of Lincoln so you'll be able to watch it uh, when it comes out. Hope, thank you so much for talking with me again. It was great. And again, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the show. Thanks, Kevin. Going to take a short break. Then when we come back, State of the Arts. And the next episode in our State of the Arts series, I am talking once again with Gus Gordon. How are you doing? Kevin, I'm hanging in there. How are you, sir? Um, just the same. Just hanging in. Yeah. Um, so a couple interesting topics I saw um, recently regarding theater, um, sort of uh, around the world. Uh, there seems right. to be because and uh, there seems to be these new. They're not new. I've seen them happen before. At, you know, Comic Con or other sort of things, but there, there's a couple virtual readings of scripts of uh, iconic right. movies. With um, one of them, uh, which we'll touch on uh, in a couple minutes, probably the the Princess Bride uh, got most much of the original cast back to read it, and exactly. And then recently, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is going to be read through by. Um, a, a completely new cast, which would be interesting. That's a that's that's a very sure. funny movie, and um, you know, a little not as family friendly as The Princess Bride, but I'm sure it will still be right. very funny. <laughs> uh, well, you know, that'll be interesting. I guess it's been updated several times, or at least the showtime has been updated several times. Um, and uh, they they've tried to get it accomplished. And um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. Yeah, and um, I I don't know as much about the Princess Bride uh, reading, but you were telling me briefly that you had actually watched some of it. So uh, so I how did, how, yeah, did you know, how did it get? How they pulled off? They didn't really mm. pull it off well at all. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, they were done in by technical glitches. Oh, um, the cast was amazing. It was great to see the majority of the original cast still involved, with the exception of Andre the Giant and a couple of other supporting players like Peter Cook, who played the uh, the clergyman at the at the wedding. Um, but you know, Chris Sarandon was there, Christopher Guest, um, uh, Robin Wright, uh, Mandy Patinkin, Billy Crystal, Wallace Shawn. It, it was uh, Carrie. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. Ewells. Um, Elwes, I forget how you pronounce it, but the the star himself was there, and they were all fine and great. But there were there were delays in lag time uh, between the different computers. Some computers were glitchy. Sometimes there was a a, um, a real delay in the sound, so they couldn't act with one another. Um, occasionally, their microphones were turned off, so it was kind of a a mess technically. And if it had if it had gone off as they had hoped, it would have been wonderful because the cast was there. Mandy Patinkin was great. He um, was channeling his uh, his old performance and was really funny. Um, Billy Crystal and Carol Kane were both really funny um, and did great as Miracle Max and Valerie. Uh, that was great fun. But even with Billy Crystal, you could tell there was a delay between the other actors. So. His normal razor-sharp timing, there was an additional three seconds before he'd land the punchline because he's waiting for the you know the other people. Uh, so yeah. it was a great idea that had a lot of technical difficulties, and I understand with Fast Times at Ridgemont High, 
Um, it had originally been scheduled for August 21st, and now it's going to happen this Thursday at 9. Uh, this is as of uh, September 14th. They're, they were talking about this. Uh, so it should uh, show up on Thursday night. But they've had technical difficulties in trying to make this come together. So hopefully they would have solved it because um, that's a great cast they've put together with that. Yeah. And it, it almost seems like something with that and what maybe for future readings and if they try to redo Princess Bride is that maybe that's one of those things that is recorded and then played back as if it was exactly. alive. Because especially with trying to get an entire cast virtually, because even in it, especially, you know, doing news, sometimes there is a delay when you're talking to yes. somebody live across, you know, across a camera, across the Internet. So it it does seem like that might be a better option, but maybe they have fixed uh fixed iron out some of those glitches and maybe it'll it'll go off without a hitch. That'd be great, but um, I guess yeah, it would I I, I hope they have because I mean yeah. Morgan Freeman, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Sean Penn, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Ray Liotta, Matthew yeah. McConaughey, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts. I mean, it's a great cast they've got for Fast Times, and um, it. You know, what What was so distressing for The Princess Bride is you really felt sorry for the actors because uh, you couldn't, you, they were stuck in a situation that was live, it was technically falling apart, and there was nothing they could do about it. Yeah. Um, Josh Gad uh, stood in for Andre the Giant, and he, his microphone didn't work for the first half. And Wallace Shawn was there, you know, playing his role, and he mm-hmm. was very funny, but you can see his mouth moving, but then the words wouldn't, you know, the audio wouldn't kick in till about five seconds later. So it, it was a great idea. It would have been better if they had taped it like you suggested, um, and played it that way as opposed to doing it live in front of people. Um, yeah, it was a, a, a noble attempt, but it was, it was not, it was done in by the tech, unfortunately. And, um, you know, as a performer myself, I had a lot of sympathy for him, but oh, still yeah. at the same time, I made it through Miracle Max in that sequence, and then I said, I've, I've seen enough now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, hope they, I can tune out. Yeah, ho- hopefully they do end up redoing it um, and and recording it and playing it back that way, because, def- I mean, Princess Bride, definitely also a movie that's very, very iconic. A lot of people love it, and definitely people would want to rewatch that. But, yeah, right. I, I hope they're able to... Do that. And speaking of uh, movies, uh, musical movies, well, Princess yep. Bride is not a musical, but, uh, you know, we talk about theater. Um, you know, a lot of people who do theater are in those. Sure. And then the Prom, which is a very recent musical, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but it was announced that they are turning that into a movie as well. Break for news when we come back. More with Gus Gordon. Prom is they've actually filmed it. Oh, that's right. It's done. It's in the can. And they're going to stream it on Netflix on December 11th. So I'm really fascinated how they did this. Yeah. How they recorded it during a pandemic. Um, maybe maybe they did it before February, but a lot of the information hasn't come out until, you know, the summer that they started funneling more of that information out. But they've got a very interesting cast with uh, Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman, uh, Carrie Washington. It's a, It's a great cast. But you know what's really interesting to me, uh, Kevin, is that it wasn't necessarily a hit Broadway show. It was a moderately successful show. 
and um, I don't know that there's a a burning, um, you know, desire among viewers to watch this. Um, usually, when when a movie is transferred from a stage show, it's been a huge hit, and this is the case where it was just a moderate hit that was a pleasant show that got mixed reviews. And it's interesting that uh, Ryan Murphy, who of course just has done a ton of stuff latched onto this and turned it over. I'm, I'm guessing it's because of the theme, which is about um, a young lady at, at her high school prom who's gay and wants to go to the prom with her partner. And then there is, uh, you know, pushback from the administration. And then a group of wacky Broadway stars comes to help the cause. Uh, so it, it's an interesting theme, especially for our, our current day. Um but um, it, it's interesting that the show wasn't a huge hit, and I'm, I'm wondering whether there will be a, a big audience for that on um, on Netflix. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but it's it, a great cast, and it should be great fun too. Uh, James Corden okay. is also in it. Andrew Rannells is in it. Um, just just a lot of fun people who are very talented, and. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, because and I mean, obviously, I didn't know a whole lot about it. I, I mean, bringing it up, I didn't know that the movie had already been been like basically finished. But it is. It seems you know you never know. Yeah, that could be one of those movies that you know not a whole lot of people saw the musical when it was on Broadway, but they see the movie right. and they're like, oh my goodness, I love this musical, and then it becomes super popular, and then you know. They revive it, what, again, sure. in like five years, and it becomes like a standard for a community in high school. So you never know. I mean, it really could, you know, it's interesting. I'll definitely have to, I mean, of course, I'll, you know, watch it theater-related and everything, but, yeah, right. I'm definitely more interested in seeing it. Um, yeah, and it's an interesting concept. They um, they replaced all of the Broadway cast, which was, in, that interested me, too, because yeah. it was a good cast on Broadway, but they replaced them purely with named celebrities like Meryl Streep. And James Corden and Nicole Kidman, uh, Keegan Michael Key is in it. Kerry uh, Washington, yeah. Um, you know, not all of these people known for their musical theater skills. Uh, Meryl Streep obviously has done stuff, and oh, yeah. James Corden has done stuff. Um, Keegan Michael Key's hysterical. Um, Nicole Kidman, you know, she has had a, a wonderful career, but it'll be interesting, and um, you know. Thank God for new materials because we're all going to get you know bored to death watching the same old things. Um, so it's it's fun to have some new options out there of things to watch. Yes, it will. Which unfortunately brings us to uh, to uh, our probably our, our our last topic here for this segment, which is um, recently Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is the one of the top disease uh, infectious disease experts, uh, works in the White House, right. the pandemic response team said that uh, theaters, this go movie theaters and also theaters to watch musicals and plays, we won't be able to get back into watching shows in full capacity probably until the end of next year, which that's when it's going to be safe and we will definitely, you know, we'll have to wait till then. Right. But that is, you know, I, we all, I mean, I thought it was going to be, you know, okay, we'll have to hold out till March or April of, you know, next year. But that's, yeah, that's, that is going to be tough. Very tough. Well, you know that that's based on the current guidance. Mm -hmm. That's based on the current situation. And I, I did read a, a very interesting follow up. There's a, a group on Facebook. It's for theater companies um, and how they're dealing with the COVID nineteen crisis. 
And someone posted a very interesting message, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you in part. He said, um, I wrote to Dr. Fauci on a whim with a question about reopening theaters, and today I was greeted with the most gracious, intelligent, and honest reply written personally by Dr. Fauci. So that was kind of cool that Dr. Yeah. Fauci responded to this um, person um, on Facebook. Um, he was asked about the recent comments regarding theaters not reopening until the end of 21, um, and he described to me what he considered a pre-pandemic normal. In his words, to me that means no masking, no attention to physical distancing, no attention to crowding, just like it was in December of 2019. Uh, Dr. Fauci went on to say, however, and this is a big however, that does not mean that theaters will be shut down until the end of 2021. Depending on the level of infection in a, st- a state, city, or community, I can see opening of theaters with attention to varying degrees of masking, reduced capacity, and attention to other public health issues. As vaccines control the virus more and more, we can foresee a significant lessening of restrictive public health measures so that we gradually approach true normal as we get through 2021. So um, that was kind of nice of him to clarify his statement about not getting back to normal until the end of 2021. He's not saying that you can't do something and that, you know, with masking and with, um, you know, just the vaccine being, being distributed, some areas might be able to open up in a better capacity than others before the end of the year. So I thought that was uh, really nice of him and kind of cool that he responded to this person yeah. and uh, took the time to, to give some more, um, uh, you know, comment to that concern. Yeah, that is that is really cool, and it is awesome that um, you know that that yeah that he did do that. Um, it you know it is it is, but like you said though, that is a really big however, um, exactly. that's in there, and uh, you know there will be you know people will have to you know have to be masked in the theater. Maybe there will be like seats you know taped off or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's. You know, all things go well, and um, I mean, I think especially if there's some sort of therapeutic or some sort of vaccine that is somewhat widely available, um, then it might be, you know, yeah, we could get there a little sooner, definitely. But I, you know, yeah, it's 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 a very tough, evolving situation. It really is. It really is, and um, you know, it really depends on the public's willingness to participate and do as they're asked. Um, if they refuse, then this whole thing's going to last longer. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of where we're stuck right now, I think. Yeah, and I think that's that was probably, you know, I, I do want to be hopeful, but that was, you know, was one of my fears about it. You know, people try to be right. like, well, I don't have to wear a mask. I don't want it and this, that, and the other thing. And yeah, it's, you know, we don't need, right. to, get, we don't need to get into that debate. But, you know, it is... It, you know, thing. You know, it's a good possibility things will go longer if that if that happens. So that is true. Yeah, that is true. All right. Well, definitely going to be keeping on the lookout for uh, projects like the prom, which is going to be coming out as a movie. There are also other some other professionally shot musicals uh, being put out. Um, you know, PBS has been putting out some of theirs, like The King and I. Um, with Kelly O'Hara and Ken Watanabe, I saw recently that the the Guys and Dolls movie uh, from 1955 is going to be 
put out for free on one of like filmed on stage. Some, so uh, all sorts of yeah. different theater things are being put out there. So we will have things to watch. And of course, you know, locally, you know, you know, we have a lot of productions that, you know, we've been in, our friends have been in that, you know, we can, you know, we can watch among ourselves. But, you know, it, it is going to be is going to be a long haul for for a while, unfortunately. But yeah, but, we, you know, the key, key is to stay optimistic yes. and positive. And, you know, I say this all the time, but I, I believe it to be true that this, too, shall pass. Yes. Now it's time for Way Out Wednesday. Welcome back to Way Out Wednesday. Wow. Hey, that's right. Wow. Wow. I'm Whoa. Kevin. I'm Mike. And this is... How are we still doing this? Wow. It's wow. still going on. It's still Wednesday. <laughs> and it's still Way Out. <laughs> Let's get right into the stories that you are eagerly awaiting to hear. Yes. Now, there has been some... Tensions. We're not going to get political, but there's no. there's been tensions between people and police, and that's always happened. Yeah. So um, one thing I did not expect to see was a goat. A goat. Yeah, this is a great story. This is great. The goat was fed up, apparently, and he runs into this car, takes this paperwork, and starts eating it. And he's like, you know, this is mine. (laughs) He's like, don't get my my arrest warrant's gone. You ain't going to get me. Nah. Yeah, this Georgia goat had had enough. I saw its opening. It was just like, you know what? Um, you have the excuse the dog ate your homework. Now this cop has. Well, the goat ate my paperwork. Yeah, I can't serve any warrants today because this. By the way, do you think the goat was trained? And if so, that is one highly intelligent criminal. You'd yeah. be like, you know what? I'm gonna let the goat do my dirty work. What, what are they going to do? It's like, a goat. They eat anything. They eat cans. They eat anything. Just like, yeah. you go, goat. You do it, buddy. Goat even knocked the officer over. Like, Speaking of eating things, yeah. another new story, another big story here. Yeah. If you're looking for a new job. If you're looking for a new job, and this is a job that I know man, man, many of us, I'm sure, would love to do this. A, uh, a professional cheeseburger tester. As opposed to an amateur one. As, yes, you can't. Uh, you don't want no amateur cheeseburger testing no. going on. You want a professional. By the way, this is being put on by a gambling website that's yeah. offering you, and it's not really a lot of salary. No. It sounds like a dream job, but I do believe they're only giving you 500 bucks in travel costs. Take a short break when we come back. Bottom of the bargain bin with Dirty Harry 5, the Deadpool. It's time for Bottom of the Bargain Bin with Kevin Hart. (laughs) Welcome back to Bottom of the Bargain Bin. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Death Wish 5. Not a very good movie at all, but eh, fun to watch, I guess, if it's on TV. But similar to the Death Wish series, we have Dirty Harry, which was a series of films about Harry Callahan, the renegade cop who doesn't play by the rules. Now, something like that nowadays? Eh, it'd be a bit of a sore subject, and a lot of the older movies are probably pretty outdated. You bleed P.D. Blue, Jamf. What the hell's a Jamf? It means you're a jive-ass mother. I I ask. That is another series that was five movies where they just kept making them and making them and mm, didn't really get much better as time went on. So 
I thought I'd look at the fifth Dirty Harry movie, which is The Deadpool. An interesting fact is that this movie actually was the inspiration for the character of Deadpool. Now, this movie is one I had not seen as much. There is a four-film pack that you could you just get those DVDs. I think they make Blu-rays of them now. But it had the first four Dirty Harry movies on it, and so those were the ones I watched in, like, high school. And so I never really saw the fifth one until years later on TV, and since then I've seen it a couple more times. But it's pretty clear that this movie was not so much an afterthought, but if you watch the fourth movie, it's pretty clear that they intended for that one to be the last Dirty Harry movie, because the first three, they were all made in succession within a couple of years of each other in the early mid-70s. Sudden Impact came out in 1984, and then this movie only exists because Clint Eastwood really wanted to do the movie Bird. However, Warner Brothers said, we're not going to let you do this movie unless you make us a movie that makes a lot of money. And so he said, all right, and he cranked out a fifth Dirty Harry movie very quickly, and it made the money, so he's able to do Bird. And what we were left with is The Deadpool, which is an interesting movie. Let's take a look at it. Now, if you're familiar with the Dirty Harry movies, you probably know how this one's going to go. But if not, I'll give a little bit of a, a background about how these movies sort of go. Basically, Dirty Harry, and you've seen this in movies, influenced probably before then, but especially afterwards in stuff like Beverly Hills Cop, where you have the cop who's the renegade, I don't do stuff by the rules. But it starts very much like some of those other cop movies, where Harry either stops a crime or takes down a criminal in a very bowl-in-a-china-shop, you know, cowboy sort of way breaking windows, breaking merchandise, all sorts of things, and almost immediately the next scene is him getting reprimanded by the cop or his superiors. You want an itemized account? Did you tell him about the meeting? What meeting? The meeting right here in your office two months ago when you said high priority was run these hoods out of San Francisco. I never said they use violence. Well, what'd you want me to do, yell trick-or-treat at him? It's always something like that. And then he gets paired up with a new partner who he doesn't like right off the bat. He's not a villain, but he's definitely... All I'm saying is, uh, if you ever look up clips of Dirty Harry on YouTube, don't look at the comments, for God's sakes. Oh my goodness, they're all, We need more cops like Harry, and, you know, this is how we should deal with criminals. Oh my God, it's really <laughs> it's really cringeworthy to look at, so don't ever look at the comment section, because it will leave you very, very depressed. These movies are... hes I don't think he's supposed to be some sort of role model for children or... Anyways, Dirty Harry 5, The Deadpool, starts out with a mob hit or an attempted hit on Harry, who, of course, in spectacular fashion with his 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, according to him, is able to put a stop to them lickety-split, only again to get reprimanded by his superior. They want to put him down to desk duty and saying, hey, look, you know, you, you got all this media attention now from putting away this big gangster. Uh, you know, we can't have you killed, you know, getting all this media attention. So they want to put him on desk duty, and he says, well, I think I'll resign. Something he does in all the movies. He also, like, threatens to give him his badge or leave the force. And they're like, oh, please come back. All right, we'll let you, we'll let you be on the streets. They partner him with Al Kwan. You know, he's a good... Uh, Good police officer, good experience, and 
His superiors are like, wow, it would be great to have a, a Chinese American. I think it's good for the department's image. And, and and yes, another trope of these early Harry movies is Harry's partner usually doesn't last that long. They don't always die, but they are usually someone incapacitated by the end of the movie. So grabbing some food, they're able to stop a robbery. And Harry, of course, does so in a one-liner fashion and only in which Clint Eastwood can do. Come on, you guys, hurry up! You forgot your fortune cookie. What? It says you're out of luck. They kill one of the bad guys and arrest the other. They find this list called the Deadpool, and is a list of celebrities who they think are going to die. As you can tell, it looks like somebody might have a little bit of insider knowledge, if you know what I mean, and I think you do, on who's going to die or who is expected to maybe die soon. So one of the people on the list is Johnny, played by a young Jim Carrey. Only has a couple minutes of screen time before he is killed and the, the movie does an interesting thing, and it thinks it's being clever, but it ends up being not, like, super clever. Is that Liam Neeson, who was another celebrity in this movie, very young and doesn't have that gruff voice he has in recent movies. It's really interesting to see and hear him in this. <laughs> got, got, like, a ponytail and everything. You're supposed to think that he is the villain, and he won't let anything get in the way of his movies. But it turns out near the end of this movie that it's a guy pretending to be him. And in this celebrity culture, he's so... Like, basically they say, okay, this person's crazy and that's why they're killing all these people. And that's that's the only explanation they give. A movie like this doesn't need to have some sort of plot twist like that. And it doesn't. It, it's not really that good of a plot twist either. I, mean, I think it would have been more cool to see Liam Neeson, who can act a little better than this guy who plays Rook, who's the villain... It'd be cool to see him do some stuff, but now instead it's this guy who just, you know, screeches and... and Shadows of the dead! <laughs> Hell without the devil! <laughs> Night of the slaughter! <laughs> what do you think of my films? <laughs> also one of the odder moments in this movie is when Rook puts a bomb inside a remote-controlled car and tries to kill Harry with it. He ends up harming Quan pretty bad, so he has to stay in the hospital. As part of this epic car chase, or should I say should be an epic car chase, but he's being chased by a toy car. It's just a worse version of the one in Magnum Force, which some people, including the director of the original movies, it was a worse version of the car chase in Bullet. Among some other notable celebrity cameos are Guns N' Roses. The song Welcome to the Jungle plays a lot, actually, in this movie. Guns N' Roses are there in one scene. They're in a funeral scene for... Jim Carrey's character since he was a rock star and Charles Martinet plays a reporter in one scene if you don't know who Charles Martinet is well here's his voice it's me Mario that's right the voice of Super Mario is in this movie just for a couple of seconds but it's cool to see him anyways among all this talking about the celebrity culture the other main character in this and who ends up being Harry's love interest in this movie is a reporter named Samantha Walker, played by Patricia Clarkson. He reports on the death of Johnny Squares. And she's being a little invasive. The crew's sort of almost being like paparazzi-like, and Clint destroys her camera. And she says, well, I'll let it go if you go on a date with me. Eh, it's very on the nose, but, you know, whatever. And with this celebrity culture, she is obsessed with him. She's like, look at all this stuff that I've collected from you. And it's all sorts of, like, a scrapbook from the past five movies. 
So, in the midst of all this going on with the Deadpool list and celebrities dying, there is also this gangster aforementioned that Harry puts away. His name is Lou Gennaro, and he is putting the hit out on Dirty Harry from prison. So, Harry visits the prison and threatens him by just getting this really big guy to stand over in the corner, and he says, Hey, this guy's going to kill you if you don't do exactly what I say. That's it. That's it. Oh, uh, you see that dirt bag I was talking to down there? He says that smoking can cause cancer, and anyone who smokes as much as you do is one dumb son of a bitch. Anyways, he doesn't bother him for the rest of the movie, and then we can focus on the villain who is not Liam Neeson, unfortunately, but Rook, the person impersonating Peter Swan, Liam Neeson's character. Harry's name is crossed out, so he knows. His time is limited. He has to catch this villain by violating some HIPAA laws, apparently. They're able to find out that, hey, this guy is crazy. So Rook kidnaps Samantha, and Harry finds her, and there's a standoff. Then they run through this factory. It's very much a ripoff of what happens in The Terminator. But that line earlier in the movie from The Fortune Cookie, yeah, it uh, comes back spectacularly at the end. You're out of bullets. Yeah. And you know what that means. You're all is well kind of harry and samantha walk into the sunset and that is it for the deadpool where's rook he's hanging out back there not that great of a movie it's a very uh oddly put together movie in fact the first four while they aren't all a plus four out of four star movies story can be very engaging this movie is just kind of like, hey, do you remember Dirty Harry? Well, here's like kind of this uh, stylized version of it. And I understand, again, it was made very cheaply, and the only reason they made it is because Clint wanted to do this other movie. And Clint Eastwood is a hardworking man. I'm not saying he phoned in this movie, but uh, da- damn near close to it. It's If it's on TV, you have nothing else to watch. It's fun. You'll get a couple laughs out of it. Some exciting action. But overall... Not really the best movie. You missed a segment. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? You can find it at WMAY.com slash arts and entertainment. You can hear the full shows, some of the clips, some of the things you might not even hear on the air. Interactive appetite. Searching for a website. A window to the world. Got to get online. Take a spin. Now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. Thank you once again for listening in. I'll see you next week. Here at 11 a.m. WMAY.